Welcome to HBRV Lifestyle, the podcast. Honey Badger here, giving it to you straight in the RV business as usual. Today is a special show, guys. Uh, I, I got back from Indiana um, this early this weekend. Now, I haven't been able to record anything. I've been working on the YouTube channel a little bit here and there. But for the most part, I was up at 6 a.m. Eastern, bedtime 10 p.m. Eastern, maybe even 11. So it was like I didn't really have time to do the normal stuff, including recording this show. But that's okay. It was a very busy week. I learned a lot. I learned a lot about who are going to be my dealers and who's not going to be my dealers. Learned a lot about how uh, people feel in general. Um, you talk about, I talked about the Portland RV show. Well, let me go over some of the numbers one more time on the Portland RV show. The average dealer sold 90 RVs at the Portland RV show in September with another projected 100 to 125 in November. So it just goes to show you that the economy on the RV side of things is still moving and that you, the consumer, have recognized that is a huge buyer's market right now. One of the things I want to really cover today is some of the verbiage that has been used by both dealers that are all in with the product I'm selling and dealers are all the way out. Okay, because a lot of times it's it's relationships. So in the business I'm in, it's a lot about relationships. And for a while, you know, the company that I work for didn't have a West Coast rep because of COVID. COVID really put a damper on the ability of a lot of manufacturers and brands to have proper representation because of lockdowns, vaccine mandates, things of that nature. So some dealers feel like they didn't get enough support from certain brands, mine being one of them, which is fine. I understand it. I don't take it personally. Not at all. And in fact, most of the dealers that are not going to want to be dealers with me anymore uh, have, have given me great positive feedback on the industry. Um, there are a few that have made interesting comments that I think are very valuable to the consumer, to the manufacturers, and to the dealers. Okay, So I have one dealership, great guy, really enjoyed talking to him over the last three, four weeks. He's basically stated to me that he's no longer going to be a dealer. And as we were talking, we were good, you know, we were happy to part ways. We're not going to burn a bridge. We're not going to nuke a bridge. We know, both know each other pretty well. And one of the comments he made is that he's downsizing. He's downsizing the amount of brands he has on the lot. And the reason why he's doing it is because during COVID, they couldn't get enough product on the lot. They couldn't get enough product to each dealership so dealerships just signed everybody they could just so they could keep in uh, rvs in stock it didn't matter about the quality it didn't matter about the brand name it didn't matter about the brand recognition it was can you get me product 
and when. So you're seeing some of these dealerships, what they're doing is they're downsizing their lot back to a couple of brands. So for example, here, here's a great example. So I worked for uh, Giant RV uh, for a lot of years and we had a couple of trailer brands. We had the Evo trailers, that was our aluminum sided trailer or we would call it stick and tin in the business. <clears throat> and then we had Milan trailers which was made by Eclipse. Now that's going back some years guys because the Milans no longer exist but uh, it was the same manufacturer as Attitude Toy Haulers. That was our two stick and tin brands. Those are two aluminum sided brands. Then our fiberglass uh, brands were uh, North Trail by Heartland. I'm talking a lot of years back now, okay? Uh, and then uh, the other brand of fiberglass trailer that we had on the lot was Rockwood, okay? So really, we only had four actual travel trailer brands that we carried in stock heavily. And then we had a few Winnebago, you know, we'll call them niche trailers, you know, small teardrops, uh, things of that nature. We had little bits of. We didn't go heavy in anything else but four trailer brands. Those are the brands that we sold well, we did well with. And we, we moved on. Uh, we also only carried one fifth wheel manufacturer for a long time. We only had Heartland forever, you know, Sundance, Bighorn, Big Country, Landmark. We didn't carry anything else. We didn't have anything by Keystone. We didn't have anything by Forest River back then. And we're talking about a 15 acre lot. We're not talking about small mom and pop. We're talking about 15 acres in Colton, we had uh, four, three other stores, four if you counted the Palm Desert store when we were open during the winter. So in a lot of respects, you're gonna start seeing dealers do this. This is common practice right now because they just have too many brands on their lot. So they're just picking and choosing who they wanna to continue to do business with. With that being said, the comments that were made were very good. They were really positive. I had one dealership come up to me, said, hey, you know what? Uh, we're just, you know, it was a nice phone call. We're not going to buy anything from your brand anymore. Uh, in fact, you're not the only one. There are several brands on my lot that I'm liquidating. And I go, what do you mean by liquidating? And he said, well, we're going to sell them at invoice or below invoice. I'm like, really? And he goes, yeah. He goes, it's time to move on to what we're gonna do in 2023. And the only way we're gonna do that is if we liquidate inventory that we're not gonna carry anymore. And then he said, on top of that, he said, and to be honest, I don't care if I make a profit the rest of the year. He says, if I have to show a loss for October, November, December, but I'm selling units and getting them off my lot, that would be an excellent end to the year. This guy's been in business for 27 
years in the RV business, 27 years. I very rarely ever hear that from a dealer principal. But this goal was like, I got a hundred and something pieces in stock. I need to get it down to 65 on this particular lot. I've got a lot of lots. This one has to get down to 65. It's a small two acre lot, three acre lot. I got to get it down to 65 pieces. I have a have 110. So I looked at his pricing. I'm not going to go and egg, ax him out. I'm not going to do that. So if you're a listener and going, oh my God, somebody's willing to lose money on an RV sale, I'm not going to tell you who it is. That would be unfair to him. He told me this stuff in confidence, okay? But I'm referring it to you, the listener, whether you're a dealership, a consumer, a manufacturer, doesn't matter. What you guys need to understand is that it is a complete buyer's market out there. And I just got it reaffirmed at this Indiana dealer open house. So this open house, guys, is a chance for the manufacturers and the dealers to see what's new. And they're like, really? You guys came up with this? This is amazing. I got a lot of great feedback. Now, there wasn't a lot of West Coast dealers out at this event because A, they're focused in on other things, and B, they had their own open house uh, in Oregon the month prior. Now, what you also need to understand at the end of the day is when a manufacturer and a dealership are on the same page about colors, price, floor plan, size, you start getting adding dealers. So I added uh, a net add of 10 new locations. And what I mean by net is I lost two. And, and I'm probably going to lose more. To be honest, I'm probably going to lose a few more. It, it, and again, it's it's going to be the biggest. Remember, I was saying in other podcasts, this is going to be the biggest shift in RV manufacturing. This is going to be the biggest shift in what dealers carry. It just came sooner than I thought. I thought it'd be 2024, 25 when this thing would occur. Instead, it's come here about two years earlier than I thought. So you're gonna see a lot of dealers that are gonna carry new product on their lot. So imagine I've got a net, a net, 10 new locations in the middle of a supposed bad economy. And they're amazing dealers, they're amazing people. Uh, I know the majority of them personally. I knew a lot of them through uh, the grapevine, you know, through the, the, the RV community. But for the most part, all of them are absolutely amazing. And this is how cool the RV business is, guys. And I'm getting a little going bouncing around a little bit, but this is how cool it really is while I have this on my mind. I have four guys, one of them that I personally worked for, that even though he's not going to carry my product, he is constantly texting me or he has texted me over the last couple of days, giving me 
ideas of dealerships. Now he gave me one. I already have signed them. But how cool is that? Then I got another new dealer. Now I've known him. I, I don't know him personally for all the years I have, but you know we've met each other. We've talked to each other. And he brought me two dealers at the show. So that's how much this business is so tight-knit. It is such a great industry to be in. It's a great industry to buy into. So getting back on track, when a dealership principal, when an owner, a GM, uh, a general sales manager, sales manager tells me, several of them tell me, we are liquidating at invoice. We are, and if we're going to take little bits of losers, we'll take them. We got to clear out the inventory. We got to clear out 2022s. We got to get our inventory down and condensed to what normal is. We're going back to normal. If you're a salesperson, if you're a sales manager, finance manager, you're somebody who came in this industry in 2019, 2020, 2021, I have news for you. The last two and a half years <laughs> were an anomaly. I've been in the business since 2010. And in 2010, it was slow, it was dead, and we we're still selling RVs. Banks weren't even lending back in 2010, and we we're still selling RVs. Then I've been through some good times, 2013, 2014, 2015, some of the largest years the RV business has ever seen. I've been through 2017, which set records. You want to talk about the original record for most retail sold RVs in the country, in the United States, before COVID was 2017. And manufacturers and dealers went, well, this is just going to carry over into 2018. So they loaded everybody up. And the industry went, slammed on its brakes you couldn't buy a deal for like four months but everybody forgets that 2018 was a election year the business always slows down every other year because of silly elections we have the midterms with and it's worse during a presidential election but the midterms, it slows down, but we all forget that. The dealership I was running in Oxnard, California, we actually had a record year in 2018. The only reason why was because dealers weren't taking inventory off the yards, and I was calling my reps going, hey man, I just sold this, do you have one in the yard? I remember one of my reps used to say, yeah man, I got a bunch of that stuff, how many do you want? And I, got, I want two more. Here they come, shipping up. The only manufacturer I didn't get that from was from people that build to order like Coachman. Coachman does not mass produce. They just simply build as you order them. Now, I think that's a great way of doing business. In fact, I work for Coachman, so I think it's an excellent way of doing business. But let me tell you something that I'm, I'm, I'm really, really like hearing from dealers is liquidation. 
We're liquidating. So October, and I'm going to say into mid-November, because once it gets closer to Thanksgiving, guys, everybody's going to, like, take a chill pill. It always happens. Every year, except for with COVID, it has been like, oh, my God, Thanksgiving's coming. And then once Thanksgiving's over and you've gone camping, you've gotten through football, and then you got the Bulls, college football bull season in Santa Claus. Imagine trying to fight that in the RV industry. It's a toy, but it's a $40,000 toy. Santa Claus, I think, wants to find $150 toys. Let's start with that. Doesn't mean RVs are not sold in December. The last week of the year, there's a bunch of people that try to spend money to avoid taxes. I don't blame them. I don't want to give money to Uncle Sam either. So with all that being said, the next six weeks are going to be the best time to buy an RV for the next three, four years. Just all it did was, all this week did for me personally, beyond getting new dealers and, and beyond finally kind of feeling set up a little bit and have a direction where we're going, on my end, on your end, the consumer, I just got validation that what I've been saying for the last three months is true and has come to fruition. It is insanity. The prices and profits that they're taking. And now I've got dealers telling me I'm willing to liquidate things for what I paid for them. I've got one dealer in California that he sent an invoice to a customer that thinks he's lying to him about what he paid for it and says, you tell me what a fair profit is. It stunned, just absolutely stunned the customer. The guy was like, holy cow. So why are they advertising it for 15 grand less back east? And then they looked it up together, and they find out it's a year older coach, older priced. It's a 2022, not a 23. It's an older priced unit. And then, of course, other states outside of California, they get to charge some extra fees on top of it, and that's all profit. Freight, prep, things of that nature. These are normal things. But at the end of the day, to hear that, I think it just validates that if you are looking to buy an RV of any kind, a travel trailer, a fifth wheel, a toy hauler, a motorhome, from now, which today is October 5th, until mid-November, the next six weeks, you are going to get the best price possible on what you want. So, you know, I, I understand there's a lot of people waiting until springtime, summer of next year. And I know the reasons why. They're valid reasons. Reason number one, let me get it out of the way, interest rates. Guys, you can refinance the RV. Just like you are going to when you, if you bought a home in the last two, three months, or you're planning on buying a home in the next three months, you're going to refinance the house.
there's a lot of people that are taking advantage of the price drop in housing right now. There's a nice dip going on. That same dip is going on in the boat and RV business. I'm, upsound, uh, I'm upside down in my trade, and I don't want to be upside down in my trade. That's the second reason why. So I'm going to sell it on my own, and I'm going to make money, or I'm going to break even. You're in the same boat as the dealer. So let me ask you a question. Let's say you owe 35 grand on a travel trailer. And you want to get 35 grand for it. But yet they can buy a brand new 2022 or 23 for 2 grand more. Why would they buy yours? So bite the bullet. If you're upside down in your trade, bite the bullet. And get the new coach. You're going to be in a better equity position with what dealers are selling stuff for now. You're going to be a way better position than if you wait and try to sell it on your own. Let's go into something else that you may not know. That that may be something. I'm um, I'm waiting till spring or summer because I don't want it to sit and not use it. That's very valid. But let me tell you something, folks. There's a lot of opportunities for fall and winter camping that I believe if you got it now, you would find some place to go. Try it out. Get going. And the money you're going to save, you're going to feel really good about it in spring and summer than you will what the price tags are going to be in March, April, and May of next year. Because the price tags are, they have to make money, guys. This is an opportunity. This next six weeks is an opportunity to actually buy an RV or buy a trailer or fifth wheel toy hauler or whatever it may be for pretty much what a dealer pays for it. I mean, that's, that never happens. It doesn't happen like that. It's extremely rare. Even in 2018, when I was full of inventory, I still was making about 7 to 9% margins. I was still making money. I just made it up on volume. It was simple. We wanted to get to 30 units a month. We get to 30 units a month at 7 to 9% margin. We were making money. Okay, And that's back in 2018 when everybody was buried in inventory. Now everybody's buried in inventory and they're willing to liquidate at a no profit. That's pretty incredible. That's not going to make salespeople happy. It's not going to make sales managers happy. But at the end of the day, everybody understands that we have to get past this bridge. We have to cross this river to get to the other side. So I talked to some guys that I know that are salespeople. They're like, you know what, man? We made money. We did well. We put our money away. We got to get rid of this inventory. We got to move on from it. And they're all on board. A lot of the great salespeople in this industry are like, man, we've been through this. We know what this is like. We know where this is coming from. Let's do it. They're all on board. 100% with the dealers, with their guys. They're there. They're ready. They're willing. They're able.
Now, here's some reasons not to buy right now. Okay? And I'm going to be straightforward with you, as I always am. You have bad credit and you're working on it. If you've got bad credit and you're working on it, this is not the time to buy. This is the time to do a little bit of homework. This is the time to go to RV shows and go look at everything and go, to go narrow it down to what you want and what you like. Same if you have zero down payment. If you have no down payment and you do not have amazing credit, or if you're trying to buy something over 50 grand with zero down, you need to go save some money. You're not ready to buy. You need to get to a point where you could put 15 to 20% down to keep yourself in an equity position. Because let's remember, folks, you got tax, title, license, and any fees the dealership's going to charge you. A lot of times, 10% down barely covers any of those fees. You want to have a little bit of equity. So if you're looking for a $30,000 trailer, you want to put $4,500 to six grand down. So if you don't have that right now, it's a perfect time to hold off until March or April when you get your tax return back. It's, it's one of those things where it's like, man, you know what? I just don't have the money yet. Now, if they give you an unbelievable deal at a credit union or unbelievable at a bank, take advantage of it, okay? I've watched at the Portland show, I watched probably 10 deals go down at zero down and the people's payments were amazingly low. Okay, go for it and just pay the principal down quickly. You know, get, get to the point where by March you've paid down six or seven grand of the principal. Hey, now you're in an equity position. And what I mean by equity, guys, is I don't mean you're going to come out even. I mean a negative equity position, a good negative equity position. I used to tell people all the time, the reason why you're putting money down, you're putting 15 to 20% down, the reason why I always pushed for that in my career was, guys, when you guys want to trade in, it's a whole lot easier for me to get you out of it into the next coach with minimal cash. If you put zero down or if you put 5% down, at some point you're going to be putting 25 or 30% down to get out of it, right? So just make sure that you, if you're going to put zero down right now because they're giving you some silly deal that's just freaking amazing, then just make sure that the down payment you are going to put in the spring or the summer, you pay that principal down. Look, guys, the banks don't want you to have a 20-year term. They have to give you a 20-year term to make it make sense and have it insured by the banks. But 15, 20-year term, if you paid it off in five to seven years, the bank would be happy. They make a little bit of dough. They made a little bit of interest. They got the loan money back. They can resend it out and borrow it again and make money again. You take the longest term possible and just pay it off sooner. There's no prepayment penalty in most states on an installment loan like a car, a boat, or an RV, even a mortgage. Another thing that really like came out and was very, very amazing to hear was that the groups, the big conglomerates, 
are still ordering, still selling, still going full force, pedal to the metal. These guys see an opportunity. The big dogs in this industry see an opportunity, all except one. I won't mention that company's name. That's unfair, but they don't really see the long game. But the rest of them, from Canada all the way down to Texas to California to Florida, all the way through the United States and Canada, they see that we're going to come out of this smell like roses and the economy is going to get a kickstart to it that's going to just blow up the industry. It's going to be an amazing thing to watch. Because you have to understand right now, one of the biggest investments that people are making are in campgrounds. People see, saw, people in general, investors, people with farm property, people with winery property, people across the United States and Canada saw the amount of people that wanted to go RVing during COVID. Now, there are some people that are just done. I'm not, I did it for two years. I'm done. Lockdowns are over. I want to get back to my five-star hotel in Hawaii, and I'm good. Time to go back to Europe, whatever the case may be. But the majority of first-time buyers, the majority of first-time RVers are loving it. It gets you away from social media. It gets you away from the pressures of work. It gets you away from your neighbors. It gets you away from your in-laws. It gets you away from... Just the, the stress of life. I mean, if you watch my wife and my kids when we go camping, it's just a, they're, they're, the, the, the relaxation is there. I mean, it's a lot of work to go camping. Don't get me wrong. Fires, cooking, you know, cleaning fish, de-hooking fish, you know, taking long walks, hiking around, getting on a boat, you know, raising anchor, lowering anchor. But these are things that is work. That is work towards something that you enjoy, not something you have to do. So people are realizing that in this new generation of RVers. And now people with property and land are recognizing this and going, you know what? It's time for us to get in that business. There are 74 wineries that I have read about that are converting unused portions of their property into RV camp spots. One winery is going to convert 13 acres, 13 acres into an RV park. That's incredible. It's unused land. It's land they can't grow anything on. It's land that they don't even use. And they're like, you know what? This generation of RVers, this new generation, they're running out of places to camp because things fill up so fast. So you're seeing a lot more people go, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to own a privately owned campground. I'm going to make that property useful. There's a gentleman that's in the middle of uh, Death Valley, owns a ton of property out by Death Valley. He is converting it into a fall and winter camping area. 24 acres. 
it's not going to have a pool or a clubhouse or anything like that. It's going to be strictly plug-in for water and for power. And just imagine how many people with toy haulers, side-by-sides, people who don't normally go out to the desert because it's either too hot, don't have enough water, whatever the case may be, they like full plug-in camping. So let's say grandma, grandpa got a 40-foot fifth wheel. Their son and the son and daughter-in-law have a toy hauler that they go out in the middle of the desert with. Go ride a razor or a Can Am X3 or dirt bikes or quads or in the case may be. Grandma and grandpa now have a, an area where they can plug in, they can watch the NFL, they can, you know, if they get the reception, they can you know, turn on the ACs, they can enjoy the comforts and creature comforts that they enjoy at RV parks, now out in the middle by Death Valley. In a bigger, watch this, a bigger capacity than what has been normal. These are all projects that are going around the United States of America and parts of Canada right now and will be probably completed and ready by the time camping season comes around in 2023, 2024. So everyone sees it. It's just the people that don't see it are a little blinded by the politics of today. That's reality. They are blinded by the politics of the left and the right the battle for power in the Senate and the House of Representatives, the battle and the struggle between Trump and Biden, Trump and Biden, Biden and Trump, whatever the case may be. This hardcore battle that's going on in Washington and some some of our own states. Just imagine, just imagine that all that is not going to matter in about a year and a half. And the reason why it's not going to matter is because the majority of us, the super majority of people that are RVers, that are avid campers, see the long game. Investors are finding different ways of taking their money and creating something. Investors made so much money in the stock market that they've taken the money out and now they need a place to like store it to where it doesn't, they don't pay taxes on it. Best way to do that, invest in real estate. Best thing that they have started doing because there's not a lot of properties for sale out there is they've, you started seeing this this lean of billionaires and hundred, you know, guys that are nine, 10, 12 figure people, they're starting to put their money into the recreation side of real estate. You guys are gonna enjoy it. It's gonna be something, yeah, it makes them money, yeah, it stores the money, yeah, it's a tax haven. Who cares if the rich don't pay taxes? I don't care if they keep reinvesting their money that they make into certain projects. I don't care if they give our federal government money. 
Our federal government mismanages the money anyway, so who cares? I'd rather have a guy like Mark Cuban give five or six billion dollars to 12 or 15 individuals to build RV parks, to build multifamily complexes, to build electric vehicles, to build something for our world, than give it to the federal government. And if you don't agree with me, I understand. I probably lose a lot of followers once they hear me actually talk like this. But reality is, I don't. I don't want. I don't want Mark Cuban to give six billion dollars to our federal government taxes every year. It'll get mismanaged, misplaced, and mis. It'll just get. It doesn't matter who's in power. It could be the. It could be Republicans. It could be Democrats. It's all gonna get mismanaged. It doesn't matter. I'd rather see guys like Elon Musk keep pushing for Starlink, keep pushing for RV internet, keep improving it, keep taking your riches. Yeah, you know what? He's not paying taxes to the federal government, but he keeps reinvesting into infrastructure for the internet for RVs to get Starlink up and running properly. I'd rather see Warren Buffett continue to invest in the RV business, continue take his billions of dollars and keep investing into new ways to challenge the laws of, of physics to get some of these RVs to one day run on simple battery power, simple solar power. Well, they do that already. No, they don't. That one day we might have a, a hydroelectric vehicle for a Class C motorhome or a Class A pusher. Why would I want him to give billions of dollars to the federal government? So that's where, I, that, that's my passion right now. The other part of my passion has been saving some of these lakes. I'm in California, Jenks Lake has finally started getting a flow from the inlet. You call it a flow, they call it a flume. I call it an inlet because I'm a moron. The Friends of Jenks Lake Facebook page has grown significantly over the past four months. And it's closed down right now, but yet my boy Bob up there has been pushing and pushing and pushing to get that lake to have even be three quarters full by spring. So we can be trout fishing. So we can enjoy something that's been there since the late 1800s. Animals, wildlife, they all depend on that lake for food and water. Generations of animals are so used to that lake being there for over 140 years. And it's finally coming to fruition. There was a ton of volunteers that have gone up and cleaned out that inlet and continue to go up and check on it, continue to go up and deal with it. They, they've had massive rain. They've had massive uh, flooding in, in parts of that area that have blocked up the inlet. There were volunteers that went right back up and they cleaned it out. And I want to thank those volunteers because guys, without volunteers like those folks that cleaned up that lake, that have cleaned up different lakes, different beaches, different parts of our nature, different parts of our, our, our 
the last of really our recreation. Thank you. And this is something that everybody has in common. It's very funny how everybody argues and fights over gender or over abortion or over this crap or that crap. I mean, it's all arguments and it's all stuff that's just hot air thrown at each other. <clears throat> but yet we have things in common. Both political parties believe in conservatism. They still believe that conservation is the best way. They may want to go about it in two different directions, but we all can agree that we cannot continue to destroy nature and destroy our recreation, destroy the ability to go out and do the things that make us stronger as human beings, which is being a family. Going to places like the Eastern Sierra Nevada Mountains, the Rocky Mountains, the Grand Canyon. How about the Mississippi River? How about the West Virginia mountains? Without these things, we do not have a place to camp. We do not have a place to teach kids about nature. We do not have a place to get away from the internet or YouTube or any of the things that at the end of the day drown out our daily lives. We don't have an escape. And, if we, and, and without these volunteers, when, without the left and the right being very conservationists that want to continue to help nature grow and stop overbuilding into areas without those people fighting for this stuff we would not have an rv business i would not have a job thousands of people would be out of a job <clears throat> factory workers managers dealerships Salespeople, mechanics, parts people, delivery drivers. So this is a big shout out to all of you volunteers. This is a big shout out to every one of you that call yourself a tree hugger, a conservationalist. A big shout out to anybody and everybody that fights daily, fights weekly, fights monthly to keep what we have. I don't care if you're a liberal Democrat or a conservative Republican. I don't care if you're an NRA member or a person who doesn't believe in guns. It doesn't matter. And it doesn't matter what gender you are, what race you are. It doesn't matter what your religion is. We all have this thing in common called nature and camping. We all love it. Whether it's we stay in a hotel or a cabin when it snows up in Mammoth or whether it's we stay in a, a five-star resort in Hawaii doesn't matter we all have that in common we just have to remember that we have so much in common that if all we did was turn off the tv and turn off the news we would realize that it's all a cycle and that the boat and rv business is going to go strong and get stronger as the years go on it's going to become and evolve, of course, because it has to. But we are and always will be a continent and a world of people that enjoy nature. Whether it's from an air-conditioned hotel room, a tent, 
or old 1986 Jamboree Rally Motorhome. We all have it in common. And that's the beauty of it. One other thing before I go. And it's something I think that that a lot of you are going to really appreciate. We are at a crossroads as a world. We can either bow down to the thought pattern that everything's going to heck. Or you can say hell in a handbasket. Or we can accept that this was inevitable because of COVID. It doesn't matter if you believe that COVID was real or deaths in hospitals were real. It doesn't matter if you're a conspiracy theorist or not. It doesn't matter if you're hyper sensitive right now and wear a mask everywhere you go or you're the guy who hates people that wear a mask. It doesn't matter. We all are going to have this in common. And that is that it was inevitable when governments around the world decided to lock down the world that we were going to run into something like this. We will get through it. It is not forever. It's not going to be like it was in the 1970s and 80s when inflation was out of control and nobody cared to do anything about it. It is temporary. It is something that even though the Fed, it's very unpopular to do raising interest rates the way they have. They're going to lower them. They're going to raise them again. So let's let's fair warn you. They're going to raise them again at least three more times. You're going to see interest rates in the mortgage side and the RV side hit 9 and 10% for prime credit before it's said and done. And everything's going to come on the mortgage side. It's going to come to a screeching halt. Everybody's going to go, whoa, there's no way I'm buying a house right now. It's going to crash the housing market just enough to get it to reset. This is a reset, guys. This is a this is not everybody's going to call it a recession for political reasons. This is a correction. This is an absolute correction of where we should be. Not where COVID took us. It doesn't mean you stop buying toys. It doesn't mean you don't go buy that big screen TV. It doesn't mean you don't go buy that travel trailer or that boat. You might slow down on car purchases. You might slow down on, on a housing purchase. But toys, you're, you're, you're going to enjoy your toys. Okay? Especially if you can afford them. So at the end of the day... It is imperative that you get up here in the mindset that this is temporary and has to happen for us to get back to an economy that is, well, I should say a normal 
U.S. economy, a normal Canadian economy. We cannot stay hyperinflated forever. There has to be a balance. And right now, like for example, as soon as my lease is up here in Northern California, I'm gone. We're moving to a no income state tax state. Nevada, Washington, doesn't matter. We're going to find better affordable housing where I'm not paying $3,300 a month for a 1,400 square foot condo where I can pay for an 18 or 19 square foot house for $2,800. That's what we're looking for. 40 minute drive from a major airport for my job. But you can't st- I can't stay in California anymore. Gas prices are too high. California is always going to be super expensive. It's a great place I'm going to have to visit. I got dealers here. I enjoy the weather, enjoy the people. I do not enjoy paying $7 a gallon on gas when I've been to four other states that are less than $4. This is not a revolution. This is a correction. And hopefully one day, when we look back on the la- this last year, this 2022 into early 2023, we laugh and go, man, did we panic. It isn't going to be like 08. It isn't going to be like 09 and 10. It's going to be more like 2018 when it all corrected itself. Have a great week. I hope this was very helpful to you and have a wonderful, wonderful, beautiful October 10th because October 10th is going to be a big day for most people. It's going to be a day. Just, just, you'll see.